Hey, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run Podcast. I am Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Pretty good. We are continuing Red Hot 80s Action Summer. We've been doing that for the past few weeks here, as the summer has been heating up to the end of July, moving into August, starting to get a little balmy. Actually, kind of weird, our summer has been the opposite of that. It's been, like, very balmy at the beginning of the june july season and now it's kind of petered off a little bit still been nothing but rain for the most part yeah thank those tropical storms you know what you know what i blame tropical storms tropical nipus stop making them we'll have stop having tropical storms you just found the 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 link the link for climate change that's right stop making nipus we won't have tropical storms (laughs) putting it out there right now then but then i'd have to stop buying them and that's just no can yeah, no, do. You're part of the problem. You're pr- like, <laughs> yeah, I'm part just, of the problem. Just like the man who's still driving his car around when he doesn't have to. It's like I said, like, no can do. If it means 100 less years on this earth, I'll take it for my knife. Uh, so for Red Hot 80s Action Summer, we're continuing uh, this time with a different sort of uh, you know action hero. It's not one that is... As prestigious as someone like Jackie Chan or Chuck Norris, who we've covered in the past episodes. What what have we covered? Just give those uh, a rundown. You would ask that, like I can remember at this point now. You know, <laughs> I, I I constantly forget what we did, and I'm just like, when was that? Oh no, that was like three pre- years ago. We started Sorry. off with Predator. We did. We started off with Predator with Big Old Arnie, and then we went. Uh... Police story. Yep. With Jackie Police story. Chan. Jackie Chan. And then now, we did Invasion USA. Yep, with Chuck Norris. Nice, uh, nice, fun little film that we hadn't seen before. Good old time. And we are on to, you know, the next big action star from the 80s, which is obviously the first person that comes to mind, right? Red Brown. Red Brown. And that's, I, I don't mean to take away from Red Brown's career. Red Brown had a pretty good career for himself. Starring in a lot of lower budget um, '80s action ripoffs, the Italian special. That's right. Take the famous thing, and then you know modify it just slightly, just just a little bit, ever so slightly, and be yep. like, "It's an original idea." <laughs> what do you mean? No, it's not a. About, yes. No, it's a. It's an original. We've we've so we've talked about. We haven't done a whole lot of them on the show. Uh, you know, ones that are like straight rips from. Uh, other films, uh, but there are quite a few that the director of Strike Commando, the movie that we're doing today with Brad Brown, um, has ripped from. So it's this is not you know Strike Commando is not a one off in his career where you know they were like uh, we we're lacking ideas for this one, so we need to come up with you know we need to come up with something. So what's popular right now? No, it, it, that's not really the case. Uh, Bruno Mattei. Claudio Fergasso, uh, Rosella Drudy, they were all involved in a lot of 80s Italian films that were straight rips uh, and sometimes amalgamations, Frankensteins, if you will, <laughs> of, of different popular films at the time. Um, so Shocking Dark being one. So. Actually, it was called Terminator 2 at one point. Um, <laughs> of course it yeah. was. 
Um, and uh, you Does know, no one check like it's Italy for like copyrights back then. Like, were they just like? You well, know, it was intentional, you know. You know, because they were famous for doing that. Like, right. oh, Dawn of the Dead, we're gonna call it Zombie. And then, mm-hmm. um, well, we'll just do our own called Zombie Two, even though uh, yeah, you was, know, there's. Uh, that was definitely intentional. I mean, that was the that was the goal. Use a an existing IP and spin off of that, and hopefully, people think it is the. The actual sequel to that movie. So Shocking Dark was one. Robo War, which Red Brown is also in Robo War. Um, you know, there was there was quite a few. And Strike Commando is just another in the line of those types of movies. Um, I'll, I'll say, interesting thing about a lot of these Italian movies is that they were written by a woman, Rosella Giudi, who um, was working on a lot of Bruno Mattei, Claudio Fergasso films. Um, and when I say that, I say, I'm saying um, both of them together, Claudio Fergasso and Bruno Mattei, because though Bruno Mattei, or in this case, in this movie, Victor Dawn, uh, though he's credited as the, you know, the main director of this movie, it was generally both of them, Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fergasso, who were kind of sharing, uh, apparently, you know, Claude, in in the actually in the extras for Strike Commando, Claudio Fergasso calls Bruno Mattei somewhat lazy, <laughs> a lazy person, and so it generally ended up being like a team effort here uh, to shoot the movies. And um, Strike Commando, that's really the case. It was uh, kind of a team effort. All three of them worked on ideas for the movie, pulling ideas from other films, um, most notably Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Uh, is the primary inspiration for Strike Commando. And uh, so that's pretty much how Strike Commando spun off. It was, uh, they started working on it. Um, They wanted to shoot it in like a a stand-in for Vietnam. So what's the cheapest whereabouts to film that? That's also, you know, an Asian locale. The Philippines, of course. and so they were inspired by Apocalypse Now, and they were inspired by um, Rambo First Blood Part Two, and that's really how Strike Commando came about. Very, you know, low budget, um, you know, kind of shot by the seat of their pants sort of thing, and and that's what you've come to expect from films by Matai and Fergasso and company. They were the primary, uh, the primary people involved in in those types of Italian spin-off films of uh, American popular films. So, Strike Commando is one that I had not seen. Um, and it was the perfect time to do it because Severn Films just released it on Blu-ray uh, Ser- for the, for the first serendipitous. time. That's right. Um, they released it together with Strike Commando 2, which has nothing to do with Strike Commando. Doesn't even have Red Brown. Doesn't even have Red Brown. Nope, doesn't even know... Uh, no one, I, I actually, there might be one or two people that do reprise some sort of role, but it doesn't have anybody from Strike Commando, you know, in the same role. But um, Strike Commando, you know, had kind of languished for a while, um, you know, with bad rips and VHS copies and things like that. Um, and surprisingly, despite that, a it, film after the heart of the 80s, especially the late 80s, where, you know, VHS rentals, you know, going up, we're like, well, I ain't going to make money off of a, it being in theaters, because we right. can't get in theaters. Let's, uh, 
you know, sell it to these video stores and have them rent it out. Yeah, and surprisingly, Strike Commando did very well for itself. Uh, one of the most popular films of the Italian 80s market, the, the craze of films that were coming out at that time. Um, so it is interesting, and we'll talk about, you know, what Strike Commando has going for it and what it does not have going for it. Um, and this is one that we had, I, you've never seen, you've heard of it, you, you knew of it. I've um, heard of Red Brown, I've heard of Strike Commando. Familiar, yeah. But uh, I had never seen it myself, and um, I was really excited to check it out, especially because Michael from Coldsploitation um, had reviewed it previously along with Strike Commando 2, um, and said it was a pretty good, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun time, it's, a, it's stupid, but it's fun, and if you like 80s action movies, then you probably will enjoy Strike Commando in some capacity. And, you know, we'll get into what kind of capacity you might enjoy it in, um, in just a little bit. So that's a little background on Strike Commando. Did you know that? Did you know any of that background? It's a nice little historical context for you. Um, we like to... Learn to, something new yeah, today. We like to dive in deep here. Do a little retrospective of the movie. I'm just kidding. I, I watched the special features, so I, I gleaned all that from the special features. I thought features. about it, but I saw like, like the interview was like 25 minutes. Yeah. So I was like, I don't have time. I gleaned it all from the special features. I bring it to you on the podcast. Which You're, version did you watch? Extended. So did I. Um, to be fair, the... The two differences are very minor. Like, there's a couple scenes of differences where um, it doesn't, you know, like, there's an insert in a couple scenarios. But for the most part, they are basically the same, you know. It's not like anything major changed where uh, you had a, a different conclusion or something like that. Here's a pro tip for companies that release uh, different cuts. Mm -hmm. If it's like a two, like two-man difference, don't even fucking bother. Just well, see, unless there, therein unless, is the problem. Unless, like, it's like altering, like you know, mm -hmm. like if they were to say release like Rambo, but with the ending where Rambo dies at the end. So, and, the problem with that, and though you're right, I agree. Like in this case, you know, two minutes extended versus theatrical, you could probably just put those two minutes in like an extra feature and say, here was like the two scenes that you missed from the uh, extended version. However. Completionists are very adamant in getting like both cuts and and uh, but you is know, it really a cut? Like is like the extended cut? Like was that? See, I think it's different if it's like then moved on to different hands. Mm -hmm. Like if it becomes someone else's project. I mean, like some some things like have certain value. Like Superman Two, the Richard Donner cut, you know, is more of like an interesting thing because he got kicked off. You know, over. Kicked off the project when it was like eighty percent done, and then it got released, and then you now have the Donner cut out there. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. it, like something that was like like um, wasn't like originally like intended like like differences in cuts, or if it's just like footage that's like should just be like you know as like oh extra scenes. Mm -hmm. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong. Like here's a whole new fucking cut of the film. Yeah, I it's mean, just I think that they've, like, tried that in different ways. And people, you know, people with their Blu-rays and their nostalgia films, they get really crazy about, you know, did was this Blu-ray the most definitive release of that movie? I and, got news for you. It's not going to be when the 4K comes out. I know, and yeah. And then when the 8K comes out. Do you really see the value in get bringing Strike Commando to a 4K? Yeah. I mean, some people will, obviously. Some people Wasn't this 4K? No. Nah, it's a... Oh. It's a Standard blue. Wow. 
Though you thought it looked very good, so there's a there's a credit to Severin right yeah. there that they you know you you thought it looked like 4K. Cleaned it up real nice. That is. Um. All right. So let's take a break real quick. We will uh stop talking about Strike Commando and move into our beer talk for today. Um, if you were listening last time we did our episode, we had an Amagang beer on that episode, and we've got an Amagang beer on this episode. <laughs> um, it's sort of. Um, I don't know. It was it was not intentional, but we did it anyway. Uh, and last time they're very different beers. Last time we had a, a tea, you know, a, a shandy type tea. I forgot we did that. Yeah. <laughs> this time we have. See, you forget the films that we do. You, you forget the beers. I forget the beer. This time we have Amagang's Neon Neon Rainbows, which is a New England style double IPA. Now we've had the Neon Rainbows. We've and had the neon light rainbow. We've had the neon, yep. And we've had the, what's the other rainbows one? The one that's the hybrid with, with sloop. Yeah, that other one that we just did not too long ago. But I had never had the neon neon rainbows, and that was kind of bugging me, just because I've had the rest in the series, and I'm a... Harder to find. Yeah, it's not, I've not seen it very often. And so I wanted... I think it did come out at the same time they when they came out with the neon rainbows, like standard... New England. Yeah, they did them together. The neon neon has always been a thing, but it's been a lot harder. I don't know why to track down. Yeah. But I wanted to try it. It was something that's been on my radar. So I I saw it and I grabbed it. And um, I think it's really good. It's a, uh, you know, it's a double IPA. Sometimes double IPAs can get a little bit sweet. Um, The the longer the hopping process, the sweeter the beer tends to get. Um, So your doubles, your triples are often a lot sweeter than like a standard IPA. In this case, the double IPA is, I, I'm actually somewhat surprised. It doesn't really seem like a double IPA. And when I say that, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have a overwhelming hot bitterness to it. It doesn't have a, an overwhelming sweetness to it. It is a very um, mellow and soft Double IPA. Which is going to be fooling because it's 8%. Exactly. It is. And it is very drinkable. It's very, very easy to drink down. And I think that's a, you know, that's a plus for the the beer. It's, um, and I, you know, it's been a while since I've had the Neon Rainbow, so I can't really comment on, you know, the, the taste consistency, like how, how close are they together. But I can say that this Neon Neon Rainbows does have a definitive new england style ipa flavor to it i'm not good at putting into words what that means i'd say sloop like yeah it's a little bit sloop like like, again we as we have said a thousand times before love the beers i think they're very good at this point kind of hard to put words to because it's like yep that's sloop yep and with the neons they're kind of becoming no wonder why they probably uh did collab with sloop because it's like kind of like tastes like a sloop yeah and this one has like a little bite of bitterness to it at the end um but it has a very nice mild tropical flavor um again it's one of those tropical flavors where i can't really put a particular flavor profile to it i can't say like oh yep it's definitely like pineapple or yeah it's definitely you know mango or anything like that but it just has that overwhelming tropical flavor to it um and there's quite a bit of different types of hops in here. Um, the can succinctly lists all the hops that are in it. 
and it's uh, Hallertau Magnum, which I think was in that other Sloop one too. Uh, I'm sure most of these were Mosaic, Simcoe, Citra, Topaz, and Centennial. No, like Topaz and the Magnum are the only two I'm not familiar with. Yeah, and and I mean like a lot of these are pretty common to lots of styles. Um, but I will say that Neon Neon Rainbows is a really solid beer, very drinkable. Makes me want sma- a smash. Yeah. Like, take these hops, like, all right, make a smash out of them. Yeah. Which we haven't seen in. Not too much. God knows how long. There are some long. places that are still making smashes, but I haven't I haven't seen one recently. But I, I like this one. I like Neon Neon Rainbows. Um, I've liked the series that they've been doing with the Neon Rainbows, the Neon Neon Rainbows, the Neon Light Rainbows, and the other sloop one that they did that I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but... Neon pools, neon yeah. pools. That's what it was. But I would say that you know, these are all really, really solid. Check them out, and if you can, do a taste test, like back get to back. Them, yeah, right? get them all together and do a taste test because there is a difference. It's just that it's really difficult to put into words exactly what it is. I can taste it, but I can't tell you what it is. I'm not a, I'm not a, a flavor wordsmith. I'm a movie wordsmith. No, I agree. I like it a lot. Um, for a double, it's definitely on the easier to drink side. Um, the best words I can kind of come to describe it is it tastes like a sloop IPA, which, as you, like I said, it's, that's a good thing. Problem is, very samey. So if you're looking for something new, it's I would say stay away. Like, try it, but you're not going to be like, oh my god, overblown. Like, I do taste a little, very, like, like out of the different, like, tropical fruitiness. I do taste, like, a little pineapple, and I do taste, like, a little guava. But it's hard to discern, like, and kind of pick out. Like, you'd be sitting there swishing it around forever to figure it out. But I do think it's good. I'd say, recommend to give it a try. If you're just, if you've had the rest of the neons from Mama Gang... You might as well go and try it to see, you know, what it's all about. But other than that, I mean, if you're looking for something new, I I wouldn't recommend it. Because like I said, even though it's good, it's got that sloop factor to it. If you've had one, you've had them all. And though it's consistently good, if you're looking for something new, you're not finding anything new. Yeah. I would say buy it, though, to support Cooperstown. The happiest place in all of New York, and New York's second finest brewery after uh, Genesee. Mm-hmm. It's good, good, uh, good shout out there. <laughs> We've been doing quite a few of them. I know for... they should sponsor us too. I know. Get us free tickets to when like Jenny old... and Amagay. They sh- they should. I should. We should send them an email. Like, come on, what are you waiting for? Like, you don't have to pay us. Just be like, hey, um, here's a free day. You guys can go down to like the Jenny Brew House and eat some pretzel steaks. <laughs> Are they gonna pay for our uh, our no, travel? No, as no, well? no, no. We'll have to pay for the gas. Damn. you know the three hours back, you know, to and fro. But I mean, it'd be worth it. Well, I got the Honda HRV. I can motor down. I won't listen. Even go we still it. need to go because I really do want to go. And the stuff they have on tap there is always looking like hyper delightful, and their food looks also delightful. Scrumptious. You'll love it too because one of my buddies at work still calls it the High Falls Brewery. Back when they were called the High Falls. Nice. He's like, yeah, I used to go there for fish shows at High Falls Brewery. Oh, wow. And we'd drink honey browns. I'm like, yeah, they've, they've, no. moved, they've moved past that. No. 
they still make it, but no one ain't no one drinking honey browns anymore. Not me, at least. Yeah, it's been a long had time a, since I've had, had a one. I might... bad experience with them. Don't want them. <laughs> Don't want them. It's ever been again. a long time since I've had a honey brown. So I mean, I'd probably give it a go. But I mean, I'd try it. But I, yeah, it, it, just nothing. The about fact it. they it's... sell it in thirty packs always blew my mind because it's like yeah, who's drinking. Twenty different. Who's drinking twenty? It's honey like the, browns like honey wheat, like honey wheat pretzel twist. Like okay, maybe like mm. one or two is okay. Yeah, yeah. But then after that, you're like you gotta really like you gotta be like Pooh Bear to fucking enjoy. A I don't even remember if it was like brown. really honey or not. I don't. To be honest, it's pretty I, honey. It's, honey it's, flavor. It's sweet. I probably yep. haven't had one since college, even though it's welcomely around because I I gravitate to the cream ale. Like yeah, that's you know. I don't know. Had a bad bad experience. I don't want it anymore. Same thing too. Like I like Jenny Red Eyes, but I mean I never drink it because it's just like, why? 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 Why would I drink? Why? When well, they have such better offerings? Why? All right, let's move on to our movie of the day, Strike Commando. Uh, you had the opportunity to watch this not too long ago, like a couple hours ago. Yeah. Got you know so. Cutting it close to the. That's what I always do because I in my want heart, to fresh in your mind. In my heart, we're still doing watching the film before the podcast. Watching it together, you yeah. were watching it together with me and having a grand old time. But now you have children. I wasn't. I was at work, so I, was, I wasn't having a grand Don't old lie. time. You're not at work. You work from home. That's not working. That's work. That's not. Tell you, I got a lot done. No, but so I watched Dracomino last night. You watched it this afternoon. Um, so. Like we said, it is basically a play on Rambo First Blood Part 2. Uh, it is about the Vietnam War. It is about Reb Brown's character being part of a strike commando force in Vietnam. What's, what's the strike commando force called? Strike commando. Oh! Very, uh, very, you know, and that's not the only uh, very on-the-nose name that we get. I mean, Reb Brown's character's name is called... Ransom. ransom, and he's taking ransom. At least his name was Michael Ransom, and not My, John. Ransom. John Ransom. <laughs> you know that would be way too on the nose if they did John Ransom. You like immediately think John Rambo. Immediately. <laughs> so I. Well, I we were feel saying like they before were like, how no, everyone's I, blandly always like John something in these films. You know, it's Michael Ransom, Mike Ransom. Yeah, so. but. Yeah, a little creativity there. They're on the nose there. They're on the nose, and so Strike Commando, you know, involves a, a very risky mission at the beginning of the movie, where the Strike Commando team is moving in on some depot. Yeah, a which depot. again, if they're doing this like uh, mission, why is their major there, and then why is their colonel there? You mean you wouldn't normally like, get those Colonel, involved in a very Colonel, dangerous you're, you're mission? You're just here to observe. <laughs> Colonel should be like the major should be thousands of miles, like feet. That's away why from, I'm a major. Away, I, away, I don't away. do this shit. You're foot soldiers. You yeah. get in there and do that shit. You know, and the colonel should be even further away. Like he have nothing to there's, do. There's a uh, yeah. What the actions? Like he'll like authorize the mission, but not be like, yeah, I'll be there to make sure uh, you know uh, they set the plastics right. You know, the title invokes the distance from the mission. <laughs> <laughs> the higher the title. The further away you should be from the action. Um, yeah, that is true. 
but yeah, this this whole mission goes awry like immediately. It's because the c- colonel's an asshole. It's not. He sets it on. A, uh, he gives him a four minute window, and then at three minutes, he has them set the bomb. Which how does that work? Did they did they have it all spooled and chart like debt like you know set to go? You can't just detonate. You know, bam. Because they were running the spool, you know, for the bombs. And not like that. Some of the C4 that went off took out, like, towers that they didn't, we didn't even see them put bombs on. Like, <laughs> Well, it was just, just a very flammable, explosive depot. The worst, the f- weirdest part of that whole scene is when the two guys were watching the guys play Mahjong. He's, like, <laughs> he's cheating. And then throws, throws a knife through the window. And then it's the other guy just runs up and... Butts him in the head with his rifle. uh, That's not how you do espionage. (laughs) Like, you don't, like, get upset at somebody uh, playing under the table and, you know, foil the entire mission. Which is just funny, too. So, I think it was like, uh, I think it was like the black uh, compadre in the outfit. And, like, where did he learn how to play Mahjong? Yeah. So how would common, he? How would he know? You know, it's, common, uh, common this, game to play. To this day, I still don't know how you play mahjong. I've like tried it on the computer. I've watched mahjong anime and shit. And wow, man, I don't understand it. You've attempted more than I have. Well, I, the mahjong anime, I watched more for shits and giggles. Basically, I said I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not smart enough. <laughs> I don't think far enough in advance to get any degree of excitement out of mahjong so i will just not even attempt it but you watch shikaro no go because you know go i (laughs) i read that and i don't really care too much about i mean i i understand go to a certain extent like surround the pieces and shit but i'm not interested in playing any of those mind games i don't care about chess i like checkers (laughs) Very simplistic game. (laughs) But anyway, this strike commando force goes very wrong. The only one to make it out is Mike Ransom. He's he's the only guy that's, you know... They should just call him Red Brown throughout the film. Hey, Red Brown. Yeah, Red Brown. Get over here. All all of these action films, like even like Chuck Norris, he shouldn't have been whoever the hell he was in video. Red Brown's a better name than Mike Ransom. So just use it. Just use it. Sounds beefy. It does, yeah. But so you know he makes it out, and he barely, barely, and he makes it to a Vietnamese camp. Gets captured, ish. Yeah, ish. He's tech. I mean, he's captured, but also nursed back to health, and uh, becomes good friends with the rest of the villagers in this Vietnamese uh, village, and all wearing like uh, white paint on their faces, and are. Frenchman that's here is kind of like our Colonel Kurtz, uh... Ledoux. Our really bastardized Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now, like, you know. Mm. This part's really surreal. <laughs> it <laughs> Just, is really surreal. Not like in, like, the Apocalypse weird... Now, like, surreal way, but in, like, <laughs> like, like, what the fuck is going on? Exactly. I felt that way, too. It's just, like, weird that's happening, you know? Uh, you got a French guy who's leading this Vietnamese village, and there are Russians attacking. Well, and... see, here's here's where if you have knowledge of history, why is there a French guy there? Like, why was there a French missionary there? Because they talk about Minister Francois. Because before the Vietnam War, during like the age of imperialism, Indochina was a territory 
Oh, by the French. Oh. So that's so, why this one random French guy's here. Yeah, so that's, you know, if... Because that's not something that you know, usually gets you know, brought up in, uh, especially our history classes in school. Like, you know. But still, why... It's weird. Why? Yeah, I mean, why the holdout here? Why the French guy who's, you know, here? Uh, and why the Russians? Why are Russians... Because they're evil. ...focused on this... This village. Is, this is a Cold War film. Very evil. That's right. So, Ransom becomes good friends with uh, Lau, right? Lau? The little boy. Yes. Lau, is that right? Uh, the little boy of the village. And he gives him dreams of puppy dogs and clouds and Walt Disney World. Cat toy of <laughs> There's a very... Unfortunately, when he's like, there's a place where Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse live together. He's like, ah, yes, Disneyland. Will you take me there? He should be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you know how much it costs to go to fucking Disneyland? That's right. Yeah, it's like we a don't... $700 stay for like one night. We're not, you're not going to Disneyland. How many, how many can get you out of Vietnam? Little boy. You know, it'd be cheaper and easier to get you out of Vietnam than it would to get we're, your ass in Disneyland. We're going to... Uh, Disneyland Tokyo. Okay, we're not going to Disneyland Florida or Disney World Florida. You don't get the world, you get land. Everybody knows land is worse. Is it worse? I have no idea. I've never been to a land. <laughs> you just have to imagine. I mean, what's they're worse? All Disney, they're all world or land. See, they're all the same to me. I just call it, like even the one like down in Florida, like the, the Disneyland whatever. Florida is Disney World. I see. I don't care enough. That is world. And when you think Again. world, you're like, "Wow, that's the, the whole thing." Like, when you think land, you're thinking like, okay, so it's like part of the well, world. Well, here's the thing. Like, I've never been a big fan of theme parks to begin with. And now, like, with how exorbitant they cost, no thank you. Well. No thank you. If I ever had children, like, can we go to Disney? I'm like, no, absolutely not. That money that we could spend to go down there and spend two hellish days in 110 <laughs> degree heat, all that, no. Well, you know what? We'll spend that on something, you Dude. know, better. We'll go to a Mohawks game instead. Get a hot dog and a beer, and I'll be happy watching, you know, you're not, amateur baseball. You're not far off from the hellish days. That's You know what, though? You know what? Th- this was filmed in the Philippines. Young Lau, he'd be right accustomed to the Florida <laughs> dampness and heat of Disney Not when he's World. trying to eat a funnel cake. <laughs> My funnel cake's melting with sweat. <laughs> um, but I will say one thing. Disney World is probably cheaper in Strike Commando than it is now because you have to factor in your hospital bills from COVID-related disease <laughs> when you go to Disney World this time. You go there to die. You either go there to die now or if you're already like a terminally ill child and you have like Make-A-Wish coming. Like, Where do you want to oh. go? Disney World! Okay, we'll speed up that pancreatic cancer for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the thing about that is Lau doesn't even get his Make-A-Wish. Because he dies before he can even you're get to Disney World. You're getting too far ahead. I'm not getting that far ahead. Because you're not talking about his g- sister, who's the leader of these... And has a crush on Red Brown. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? The man comes in, no shirt on, ripped to shit. Got his uh, bandana, bandana around his head. You know, basically talking macho stuff. Part of a strike commando team. I mean... Who's not wetting their knickers in there <laughs> over Red Brown? But anyway, 
it, the film makes a pretty good point to say like she has a crush on him, and then oh maybe nothing happens with that. Maybe in America it's the women that ask the men to marry. Maybe it is. See, that's the fault. The brother went straight to marriage. He's like, you, know, <laughs> you, just want, you, sh- you should marry him. I honestly, I forgot about that, but that whole scenario because it makes no difference to the film whatsoever. This film is an hour and 40 minutes. There's 20 minutes of the middle of the movie that really makes no difference. And the only reason it's here is to give you some sort of emotional reaction to the fact that the Russians obliterate the village. And we get to see Francois being drunk and being like, oh, it's not bourbon, but would you like to have some? No thanks, old man. (laughs) Him pulling his fucking uh, warm side of the door there, like, no thanks, I'll have my milk. (laughs) For some reason, the Russians are obsessed with this village, and they're obsessed with Red Brown. Because as we find out, well, because of the ending. Because of the ending. Because of the twist ending. Um, and they, they come through and they murder Which the entire Which makes no village. sense, too, if you think about it. So, say, like, this is the Vietnam War is going on, right? America's involved in the Vietnam War, fighting the Viet Cong mm-hmm. and the NVA. And the Chinese are also helping out, like, the, the Viet Cong, and they're fighting the Chinese, you know, some Chinese guerrillas and stuff. Why would it be outlandish if maybe they ran into Russian officers out there? They ran into, like, Soviet officers. Like, maybe they're not, like, doing big military maneuvers, but they have officers out oh, there. Oh, you, you tri- mean, like, why are they surprised that there's yeah. Russians out there? That's fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean, You're yeah. in the middle of a Cold War with there's them. A, this is a, a war. Pro- this is a proxy war. <laughs> yeah. That you two, uh, you know, right. stupid. It makes sense that they're there and that, you know, we should, at least if they're a good U.S., have good U.S. intel, someone should have known. Yeah, yeah, the Russians are there, you know? Russians have like, yeah, some no involvement sh- in Vietnam. Yeah, no shit. Like, like yeah, they, they don't have an army down there, but they do have people, like, training the Viet Cong up to make sure, like, hey, this is how you win. Well, you know who they got down there? They've got Jakuda! A gigantic wrestler dude she leading... Just, they should have just had, like, Nikolai Volkov or <laughs> go down there. <laughs> he's, he's leading the... Uh, the Viet Cong and Russian influence in this vicinity. And he becomes the main villain for Ransom because he's the main guy that says, you know, murder all these villagers in this this village that he's come to know and love so well. There's a very touching scene where Reb Brown holds Lau in his arms and tells him about Disneyland again. Gives him, yeah, gives him some tourist instruction. There's popcorn in the trees if you climb and grab it. <laughs> the hell does that mean? There's popcorn in the trees. There's popcorn in the trees. If you climb and grab it. And cotton candy you can eat for days. Like, Lau's dying breath should have been like, what's cotton candy? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have cotton candy here. Like, what does that mean? It melts too fast. <laughs> And the in the line skull mountain won't be won't be that long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because clearly, you know, this was meant to be a really sentimental scene, but it doesn't play out that way. It plays out way, way too over the top. It's it's uh, it just misses every emotional beat. Like, so this is what they say when they say, like, you know, show don't tell. Well, this is literally telling you how to feel a very manipulative emotional element 
And, you know, all this is – and actually it kind of does. I mean it has – even though that, that uh, sister is not really um, – I don't know. She's not really a vital part of the film at all. Uh, it has that like manipulative emotional element of like he lost somebody close to him, a uh, love interest. Because that's really all that this is missing is like that woman in a refrigerator type of scenario um, that, you know, you you manipulate the audience into being very emotionally invested. Yeah, the emotional manipulation is, is pretty high. And I, I don't think that it necessarily makes this any better. It's not effective either. No, it's it not. Is, it just comes off as incredibly cheesy. Uh, yeah, I think – so, you know – they, they, I think they really thought that this would be very emotionally compelling. It's, it's, it's stuff that you just can't get over. You know, how can you sit here and see this whole Vietnam village slaughtered and not feel for it? But the thing is, there's just really the, no characterization at all for these people. And not only that, but you also have to suffer if you watch the English dub. Which, I mean, I say English dub, but they're both dubs. You know, whether you watch it in English or Italian, it was mostly shot in English. But either way, it's adr all over the place. There's so much dubbing that no one really has a very realistic, like, line delivery at all. So you're not getting a lot of characterization here for any of these characters, Lao included. I mean, he's only in the movie for, like, two scenes, right? I mean, he's in the scene with the Disney World and then he's in the scene where he dies. And well, then, no, in the march. And when they're yeah, in the march and you get yeah. friendly. You like know? maybe three scenes. So there's not much time but to really. Feel like, it feels like forever. It though. does feel for, like forever. That whole bit feels like. The whole, the, that middle portion of the movie where uh, you go from, you know, Red Brown gets out of Vietnam. He goes back um, and meets with his superiors and, um, you know, he's given more orders to go back and and finish the deed in Vietnam. That's all very long. It just takes forever to get through. I feel like and even then I don't really even remember much of that moment because there's some action in there too. It's very just bland. Yeah, it's, just it's, grenades explode and cause unrealistic explosions and firefights that aren't exciting. Yeah. The only thing exciting about it's like Red Brown yelling when he's like firing his gun. Yes, there's a lot of yelling in Strike Commando. There's a lot of Reb Brown, you know, throwing his head back and... You goddamn bastard! <laughs> I mean, I won't say that it's not entertaining, for sure. And it is one of the reasons why Strike Commando is so well known, is because there are many over-the-top scenes like that, where Reb Brown is forced to say, you know, very, uh, very uh, thought-provoking lines, such as... Dakota! <laughs> while firing his machine gun into a hut 35 times or um you know blowing up a boat with grenades and while jumping off for some reason just yelling our father who art in heaven because <laughs> you know, he, he's like i'm gonna die and then he's like, i have no idea but that granted scene the holy shield is just so funny to me that's funny. That's probably like the funniest scene in the movie to me is when he jumps off and says, "Our Father who art in heaven." Why would you blow that boat up? Why wouldn't you like commandeer it? Isn't like, it a waste of grenades? There, he like uses eighteen grenades in that because he's got a. He basically he's got like a, a whole a bunch whole, of bundles, a bundle of grenades. It's like four grenades per bundle. He's just throwing them in every single like brig on the boat, 
and then jumps off. I don't understand why. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't one bundle be enough, like, to sink the boat? Yeah, the fact that he, like, silently <laughs> took it out. Like, why didn't he, like, commandeer it and, like, you know, go up the river <laughs> and, like, you know... Yeah, because in this case, he's now left to jump into the river and then swim to shore. I don't. You can't be driving it incognito <laughs> with a Vietnam flag. That's just. And it it leaves you wondering too. How does Reb Brown, a brick shit house, <laughs> swim? How? How? He's not weighed down by his muscles. Maybe he's buoyed he, by his muscles. He doggy paddles. That's right. <laughs> the preferred Reb Brown method of swimming. Yeah, that that scene is definitely my favorite. I don't know why. I don't know why it's so funny. It's so I don't know why he says one, it. Because there's one guy left, and he's like choking him out, and he waits forever. Like, oh yeah, I have a knife, and just grabs <laughs> and stabs him. Yeah, he wouldn't have to have yelled, "Our Father who art thou in heaven," if he just, oh, I have a knife, stabbed the guy, and jumped off. I, I, I it that scene is just so over the top ridiculous. It doesn't doesn't make sense. The the dialogue just has no meaning whatsoever, and I love it. It's it's great. So people, a lot of people remember all of the Jakota, but I remember our Father who art in heaven because it's just so so stupid. It doesn't even make any sense. But after he finds out that the village is slaughtered, and it looks like the Russians did it because our nice French man, as he's getting punked out. Takes his little insignia off his uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little wasn't wasn't communist so, symbol. So non well, he takes it back to his superiors to be like, "There's communists out there, Russians." Well, we need you to go back and take pictures of them. <laughs> like he's playing fucking Pokemon Snap or Fatal Frame. <laughs> well, not only yeah, like because he. Like, maybe, already... that's, maybe that's the inspiration behind Kubrick with Full Metal Jacket. Like, he's supposed to be a joker. Like, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not a soldier. I'm a war photographer. I don't really, like... So, they he now needs more proof that the Russians are there? Like, he just... They don't believe him? But it all comes out in the end. Like, that's the reason why. And they're, they're setting, you know, ransom up to go back to Vietnam and basically just get killed. In Vietnam, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they're you know they send him back to get pictures. It's it's you know why not just send in a whole team? What? No, no. One man will do it. You need one man. One man. He had a team. They're dead now. That is true. That is true. There's not a good track record of <laughs> they all the strike commando they team. They all got blown to hell. <laughs> yeah, this the track record's not good. So we'll send in one man. One man will get the job done. Yeah. Probably sending him, hoping he dies. Not because, like, we want him to die, but, like, he wants to go out there and join his teammates. That's true. All for one and one for all. But it's, that's just, like, so stupid. And they're going down the fucking river, and then they run into, like, this little hut, and it just flips down. Goes the other two guys who are with him on the boat. He blows it up with a noob tube, and he's like, all right. Finds the village, and then he, like, goes and, like, find, looks for Dakota, and he just starts, it empties, like, a whole fucking belt or two, and just randomly into the houses, and then he gets, like, oh, we have you surrounded, Ransom. And now he's a prisoner. What I will say is it feels like this movie just keeps going on and on and on. Like, you get to a certain point, and you're like, oh, okay, this is the end of the movie. Like, 
This is a conclu- climactic conclusion. No, it's just one more element in the movie. And you got 20 minutes of him being <laughs> held captive, which is yeah. just... <laughs> With a prisoner and psychological warfare. I did kind of like that element of like when his uh, comrade dies in the cell. And they leave him in there? That's how you know this isn't, like, an American film, because they would never have. They would have him, like, covering him up and, you know. Yeah. You know, like, you know, draping a sheet but over the body. because this is an Italy sh- Italian shit film. Like, ah, just leave the body right there. You know? I, did, I did like that, because they were like, oh, you know, we're not trying to, you know, he, we can't break him with physical punishment. You know, Red Brown is too fucking strong. He just... It even gets the old blonde, blonde Russian to be like, stop it. Stop. 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 Stop torturing him. I'm developing feelings for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did like that element, the psychological element. And you do get to see Red Brown sort of try to break down emotionally. You're missing the best part of all of this. Dakota doing push-ups. That's right. I, based on the interviews, that wasn't even written for Dakota. That was just something that, uh, you know, the actor Alex Vital did when he was bored. Started doing push-ups. In an area like the Philippines, I would probably never just <laughs> think like, you know what I want to do right head. now? Just do some push-ups. It's just, I'd, I'd be going around in the Philippines going, ew, I feel <laughs> gross. I feel sticky. It's 70 degrees out. It feels like 120. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways... I do like the whole physical torture thing, too, watching him get electrocuted and, like, him carrying, you know, like, the logs it's, and then getting his ass beat. It, it's almost know? like the opposite of, like, the uh, the hero's um, workout montage, like in Rocky. It's, like, the opposite. It's, like, the torture montage but, of working out. And he's out. sitting there and he's scratching, scratching into the wall, like, how many days he's been there. He, by the end of it, it's 49 days. Mm-hmm. How is he clean shaven? <laughs> yeah. Red Brown grows no beard. Was That's... Olga shaving him? Because at the end of it, we see that she was like shaving again, but like, has he been getting constantly shaved? Like, why would Jacob, like, why would he dedicate time to? He's like, you know what? You're looking rough. To shave him. Like, get, that, get out the razor. Per- it should have been a perfect opportunity to let him grow the beard, you know? It's true. Maybe Red Brown just can't grow a beard. And they didn't want to, you know, resort to. They tried. They actually wasted. They wasted. Uh, waited a month for it to grow. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This ain't. We gotta get back to filming. It's yeah. not working out. I didn't. I didn't even pay attention to that. But that is a good point. Forty nine days. So what I really like though, is that when he gets out of the camp and stuff, and which is he, the dumbest way he gets out either. He <laughs> just randomly. The way he gets out is literally the equivalent of the Dawn of the Dead ending, where fucking King right. Forey's just sitting around waiting for the zombies, and then he just hops up all of a sudden heroically and like karate kicks and hip tosses them. And yeah, out of forty nine days, he never had an opportunity like he has when he actually gets out, where he's basically just sitting down and then just like double punches two guys out and makes his getaway. How come John McCain didn't do that? <laughs> oh, wait, they, they broke his legs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the so the film has this thing where it's just like, at a certain point, it's like, all right, th- we're done with this now. And then it just, just moves, moves on, on without any, like, it doesn't make, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It's just, just do it. Just get us to the next part of the movie. And that's how this film works. And then even at the end, after he, you know, he beats up, um, Jakota. 
Hold on. Throws hold him on. off the waterfall. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The whole him grabbing Olga, the Russian lady, blonde Russian lady, running through the woods, just by that alone, they grow a bond strong enough where she's like, look out! But when he ties ties her down to the, the fucking tree, is like, I'll be back. Wait, no, I won't. How do you say goodbye in Russian? Auf Wiedersehen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I laughed so fucking hard at that. I don't know if that was like just red brown ad libbing or if that was yeah. like in the script. But he's like, what's the word for for goodbye in Russian? Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did, I, yeah, that one did stick out to me as well. Oh, I forgot that, but yeah, it was hilarious. Strung up to the fucking tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the same. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know if that was, you know, intentional or ad-libbed or what, but it was, it was a great moment. <laughs> it's uh, just so fucking stupid. Just... But, uh, you know, the final climax, like, the, the climactic scene fighting, uh, um, Dakota. Dakota throwing him off the waterfall. Well, before that, let's break down. What do you think of the Dakota fight? I mean, it's sufficiently stupid. It's bad. It's choreographed. It's yeah. It's got some bad choreography. It's shot terribly. Especially Not like that Dakota has him beat. Like he could have um, like shot him or something. But he's like, "You there, good job. Let's fight with your fists." Right, right. It's that that whole like manly men. Who got a fight with fists because that's the honorable way to do it. Yeah, well, he, sort got, of thing. he gets fucking yeeted off a fucking waterfall. He does. He does. Someone should take that and put, like, finish it. And, and not only that, but the, the fight scene is – it that ending is very um, out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, he's just like, yep, there's a waterfall here. Throw him off. And that's it. That's, the, that's like, the end of the fight. It's like, Calls what? him Americanski because they – Say that he says that all throughout the film when he runs into him, Americanski. But and then there, you're like, okay, the movie's over. No, because nope. he's taking care of Braddock, who's it's not. We find out is a traitor. It's not over. He's a KGB agent. He's been involved from the start, and um, so then we have to spend another twenty minutes. And it's not only that, but it's like four years later. No, it's more. More than that? How long is it? Fifteen. Certainly after the Vietnam War has 15. ended. The war ends in like 75. Yeah. And then. Fall, yeah, the Fall of Saigon is I. Fall of Saigon 72. So, yeah, it'd be another like 15 years later because the film shot in 87. So. Yeah. And then eventually they go and find Raddick again. He's hiding out. Red Brown comes in and basically. One man wrecking. Well, you're forgetting. Crew. The be- you're forgetting the best part. One, they find out he's hiding away in the Philippines. Two, his major, his old friend, beats him up in Manila where he's hiding out. They go to a cockfight. Yeah, they do. Why are they at a cockfight? Because that's what you do when you're in Manila. You go to a cockfight. Where else are you going to do talk about illicit things? Again, like, just, I love the random Italianness of, like, you know, like, can't be at, like, a diner or something. No. Gonna be it's a, a cockfight. We're going to be at an illegal cockfight. Yeah, and the I like the thing, too, that, you know, this was all shot in the Philippines. So, yes, they're in the Philippines now, but they were in the Philippines before, too. Because <laughs> that's where you get cheap labor. For your movies. The Philippines. 
Um, well, he's but, just hiding out in some little random building, and Red Brown just walks up with an M60 and starts gunning everybody down. Blasting them down. The one slightly buxom uh, Vietnamese lady that was uh, one of the leaders of the squads. Because you could, you could tell by the way like she was running in the woods. She's the one that had a uniform and was kind of like bouncing around. She's sitting there with her glasses all cockeyed and like, oh, Red Brown's here. And then everyone just has, or Sergeant, uh, Sergeant at Arms, they all have guns ready at the hand. Like, just in case 15 years later, Red Brown's coming before them. Yeah, and, and then... And they all just get mowed down. That M60 that he has, you know, he's got, like, belts of ammo. They're just hanging off of it, and he's running through. Because he's not, you know, he's not, like, conserving ammo at this time. He's just putting rounds upon rounds into the walls, the, the people, wherever he needs to. And then we get a nice Invasion USA-style ending. Of blowing up the villain. Well, it's not. It's not like. It's not like. And um, how dare you? Death Wish 3 did it before that. Yeah, too. I guess so, yeah. But it's not like, you know, Invasion USA, but there is a very ridiculous explosion that get, occurs. It's cheap as shit because yeah. open the door, so he just <laughs> fires, <laughs> fires a noob tube into the door. That and is just, true. They don't, yeah. Turns the bot, and you just, you know. Yeah, there's, the door is not open at all, so it, <laughs> it goes right through the door and explodes, and the, it, you get a really terrible, very quick, I don't know if you saw, but like a very quick, like, puppet body, body yeah. flying. <laughs> uh, Blood smeared, and he's, after winning the day, he just puts his gun puts down and walks away. Yeah, but we can't forget, that's also not the end of the movie. Because Dakota comes back. Mm. Somehow he survived. And they for turn, some reason... They turned him into Jaws yeah, from... He, he now has metal teeth for from, some reason. Yeah, they turned him into Jaws from fucking the Bond franchise. Give him metal teeth. And then Red Brown just puts a grenade in his mouth and... He's on his way. He blows up and then the dentures fly at him. And he's like, oh, Russian dentistry's pretty good. And he's cracking jokes at the end. Before the credits roll. Yeah, I mean... The, it's like the fucking dumbest... The end credits, I don't... Part, they're the, right before the credits. I don't particularly even understand. You know, he's he gives the... Uh, all likenesses are, you know... In this Unintentional. Uh, except for maybe one. Uh, which was very... Inti- like, it doesn't... I don't really... I don't get it. Like, what was that? Was that a historical jab at somebody? I, I don't... I don't get it. Dakota's supposed to be Henry Kissinger. No, oh, okay. <laughs> very, uh, very heavy on no, the No, it's just fucking there. weird. It is weird. You know, because that's... They probably thought it'd be funny. I guess, maybe, mm. yeah. I just didn't, you know, I don't, I don't get the in, intention of it, but... So, that's Strike Commando. Let's talk about the soundtrack. Soundtrack is a strong synth score, very, uh... Don't say score. It's literally one bar. Right, that is true. It's, you know, one it's the bar same same thing played over, over and over again. And like all Italian films, you use a very inappropriate, unnecessary time. But it is, um, you know, Escape from New York esque, you know, John Carpenter esque. It is Carpenter. I'd say more Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, maybe Big Trouble. 
more like East Asian and, or Oriental and, like and, themes. And like, and like I was saying, you know, this was a, an Italian production, and they were like, so we like the synth score. Uh, we would really, we really need to like Oriental this up a little bit. Like, what do you got? What do you? How can you give this a little Oriental flair? It's like, you know what? I can hit that whammy bar on the synth. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> that's pretty much the the Maybe score. that's what John Carpenter did for Big Trouble in Little China. I'm just like, oh yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying that I don't like the score. I kind of like the score. I think it's, it's a, a pretty, good it's measure a good... of music. Yeah. But again, it's just, it's just a one trick pony, and that's all they use throughout the entire film. Yeah. And again, like I said, they. They Italian it up. They fucking throw it where you can be taking a shit and they'll throw it in there. Well, you have to imagine ransom shits are events. They're not just, you know, they're not, they're not just mundane tasks that occur during the day. They're they're events. The faces Red Brown makes would be pretty cool to watch. (laughs) While taking a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually probably the funniest part of this whole film is just like when he's going from random, like, yeah, how's it going? Yeah. Like, you know, um, fucking Christopher Walken asking to like fucking rage yelling, like, ah, shit, our father out there and him shit. Do you think, do you think that, uh, Red Brown carries this film? Does he, does he have the pathos? Does he have the, uh, I the mean, range? He's literally the only thing that's interesting about the film. I agree. I think like the rest of the cast. God bless their souls. All of the, like, Vietnamese people are played just by, like, random Filipinos that they probably like, hey, you want to make $10 today? Yeah, right. You know, yeah. and then they get... Not far from the truth. Your there. drunk uncle, who's just, like, probably some random Italian guy, like, on set, like, hey. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, I think... I mean, Jakota's, like, a, a is a, an impressive presence. Yeah. But his, like, character and, like, overall, like... Story and like performance, not great. But I mean, Red Brown. I mean, Red Brown's not great either. But he does carry the film because, like I said, like his re- just over the top ridiculousness. He is the incredibly. He's the opposite of our, all our leading men so far. Right. Yeah. We were very like Chuck stoic Norris and... is store. You know, stoic. He cracks wise, but it's meant to beat ass at the same time. Same thing with like Stallone and Arnold. Jackie Chan does have that great balance of, you know, comedy and physical comedy and, you know, heroicism, but Red Brown's just, you know, flying off the handle like he has Tourette's every minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I, I, like, that is one of the reasons why Strike Commando is well-known. I mean, Red Brown really commands this movie. He and is he's way impre- over the if, top, but... If you were to mute it, he is an impressive-looking, you know... yeah. Yeah, like I mean, he, he could have like just been if someone gave him like a chance to be like a, a you know be like an action guy, he he could pull it off with like his you know physical performance. Yeah, I I think he just went for it. The over the topness of this movie, he just went for it, and it has sort of the same characteristics of like Silent Night, Deadly Night too, where you have you know the main character just given free reign to go nuts. I think that's what Red Brown, Red Brown does here, and. I, I think if you didn't have Red Brown, Strike Commando would be a pretty boring movie. It would be uh, like, you know, it because it, it doesn't have a good story. It's the story. I, I know what the writers and the director say, 
But the story is just not good. It, there's not much going for it. It does not – it's not compelling. This, the um, this twist is not really a twist at all because you're not even given any information. Like you just kind of – It just happens. The, it things, just happens. Yeah. just happen. Yeah. There's, it, I would say the story <clears throat> is really like the worst part of Strike Commando. The and, best part is watching Red Brown do those things. And it's not even like the action in the film because the action is very mundane. There's not a lot. Because what makes Invasion USA great besides Chuck Norris whipping ass is it's literally breaking that out. Once you get, you know, from John Eagle getting shot, it's breaking that action. Just like yeah. going, going, going. Over the top, but it's breakneck. Here, there's too many lulls in what's going on for it to be, like, even com- like compelling in that aspect. Like, maybe if it had the action level that, you know, Invasion USA had film would be highly entertaining because like he's just blowing shit up and you know mowing down you know yeah wad you know white swaths of the russians and Viet Cong, but you know nope he's fucking dithering about the (laughs) you know in the jungle in the jungle yeah he's running across the rice paddy up here's some (laughs) stock footage of huey's flying and you know uh, yeah unleash (laughs) lots of stock footage Unle- you know, you know, shooting down like it's uh. They had very strict deadlines on the helicopters that they could lease. Yeah. I didn't. You know, I thought it was funny. It was helicopter six ready? Sorry, it was a little late. <laughs> like, like they're all flying off. I think that was actually not in the, in, in the script. Like they're going to fly. It was just like them taking off. And is the guy's like, oh yeah, sorry, little little late. Did you catch that? Yeah. But <laughs> all right, so um, we got a rate strike commando. So on a scale of uh one to ten, um, grenade uh bushels, well, yeah, bundles, grenade bundles. What would you give uh strike commando? I'll give it a five out of ten because I think I gave missing an act. I mean, not missing. I keep saying missing an act. I think I gave Invasion USA a five and a half, which I might have to bump up to a six. I remember, I think you gave it a six. But, I mean, if so if I gave that a five and a half, which I was more engrossed in that film than this. This film, I can see its cult status because it's a D-list film. But at an hour and 40, it is not that entertaining. It has its moments that you can attach and cherish forever. But if I ever had to sat, sit down and watch this film again, I'd say absolutely not. <laughs> Red Brown's a lot of fun. The premise of ripping off, you know, Apocalypse Now and Rambo First Blood Part 2 is... It's not unique. I think the Apocalypse Now part's unique. Could have went more into it, and, you know, make it like a trippy action uh, jump. They don't go that route. But, I mean, for the most part, the film's kind of dull. Red Brown carries the film. He's the only charismatic presence in this film. He's what makes the film enjoyable. The action overall, it's not as high-octane as it needs to be to be engaging. The action itself's not that great to begin with. The whole ending is pretty fucking lazy. Like, the fight with Dakota is lazy. Him storming the building to kill Raddick is lazy. It's, there's not enough. Um, if you like it, good for you. Um, 
I barely like it, and it's <laughs> only because of Red Brown. Otherwise, this would be like almost in like Mako territory because it's just tedious. They shaved maybe thirty minutes off of this thing. It'd be more enjoyable. And an hour and forty, it's just too damn long of a slog. Um, but yeah, it's this is by far the worst one that we've watched so far. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah I, like I said, I check out for Red Brown just so you can be like, wow, that's who Red Brown is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably give it like a five and a half. Um, you know, it, it can be fun at times. Like you said, there are other times where it's just very slow and it, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere. The plot is not good. I'll, I'll be honest. The story is just stupid. It doesn't really have much going on and it's meandering. And, you know, when you have, when you have to leave Vietnam multiple times and then come back, kind of like loses the, uh, suspense of so being there they didn't leave vietnam they're just away from the front lines. yeah they're until the end where they do go yeah. to the philippines when you, when you get away from like the 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 threat the presence it the suspense like it just lessened the more you do that and i feel like um strike commander does that like a couple times and it kind of takes away from that and there's a, a very long lull in the middle of the movie where not much happens and there's not really a direction per se. Uh, I think Red Brown is pretty good here in terms of being way over the top. Um, that over the topness really carries the movie. Um, if it didn't have that, I think it would be, you know, very lackluster. Um, with that said, you know, there's a lot of things to laugh at, and you're not really laughing with the movie; you're laughing at it. Um, you know, in, in terms of you know poor delivery, weird dialogue. Um, just overall dumb antics. And, uh, you know, that can be enjoyable, but it, it can also be, um, you know, it can feel like sometimes, depending on your mood, a waste of time to watch it. Uh, I think Strike Commando could be good in certain settings. You know, if you're you're really watching with a group of people and you're involved in making active fun of it, I think it could be a fun experience. Uh, to watch it as a regular movie, I don't see very many people, you know, just sitting down and being like, yeah, you know, Strike Commando, I would really like to watch that one again. <laughs> you know, there's not really that much going on in the movie where you need to have multiple rewatches or feel the need to, to go back to it. Um, so it's a good, like, one-time watch to see Red Brown, to see some of the memeiness of the movie, um, to see why has gotten something of a cult status. I think the fact that I watched it on Blu-ray also helped, too. Because if I had to sit through this in, like, traditional 240 <laughs> VHS, VHS, it'd be rip. like, oh, my God. <laughs> Sometimes that can that can heighten it, though. You're like, oh, the nostalgia of watching this in I know, but it's like, VHS some, like quality. some things. Like, it does look nice. You know, Severin did do a good job on the... They really did, yeah. The upscaling and it, it, cleaning it up. It looked really good. It does look good and very vibrant, lush. You know, the Vietnam, or the, well, I should say the Philippine setting is uh, very lush and verdant, to use a nice word. Verdant. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just don't see, like, a lot of people really sitting down and watching Strike Commando as a, as a straight movie. They're going to watch it to make fun of it. So, you know, 
it is what it is. It's certainly ripoff of a lot of other 80s action films um, with this similar idea, but mostly for Rambo First Blood Part Two. Um, but I enjoyed watching it for the most part. Um, I'm glad I watched it, so I, you know, I have a deeper understanding of cult films and Red Brown, and envy the muscular physique of Red Brown. But uh, you know, it's not a not a great movie. So what are we doing next time? Uh, so next time, I think so. We've got a couple different options. You had. So you had mentioned Stallone, and you had mentioned possibly doing... We have to do Stallone. Yeah. And I was actually toying with doing Cobra, uh, which is a pretty fun Stallone movie. Um, and then, so so we've got we've got to get through Stallone. Uh, who's another one? Probably, uh, we would want to do at least one Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. The only one that would fit the bill would be Bloodsport. Yeah. Because he was late to the... Yeah. Late to the game. Right. Most of them were 90s movies yeah. uh, at that point. Um, Bloodsport would be one that we could do. Could and do the, Swayze Roadhouse. I was thinking that too. I was doing, just thinking uh, Roadhouse uh, for another you know, movie. And then, Oh, what the hell is the Stallone film where he arm wrestles from the 80s? Mm. He's a truck driver and he arm wrestles place to place. Hmm. I don't know. Who else could we do from the eighties? Um, well, we gotta wrap it up soon. We do, yeah. We're because we're gonna get through. So we're. I think we got two more. So I, I, probably Stallone. So probably and, Stallone and Jean Claude Van Damme would be. Yeah. Well, Stallone's the definite hard yes. Yeah. I don't think Seagal has anything from the eighties. Yeah, you know, we might skip the Jean Claude Van Damme until we do our Red Hot nineties action summer. I mean, I would love to do Bloodsport, but. Because there's a lot coming up with horror. Like, I really want us to do Candyman before Ooh. we get into the new Candyman that's coming out. That is true, yeah. Um, that's coming out mid-August. Well, so that'll be our probably our Halloween month, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get closer to September and October, as we normally do our... You know, our... No, I know. I mean, as we pick out what we're going to do for yeah. that, but I mean, I would at least like to do... The new Candyman that's coming out. Cool. Um, I would say let's do Roadhouse next time. Oh. Sounds like a fun one. Let's do Roadhouse. Get Swayze in there. We'll do uh, Swayze we'll, so, is not. So you know, we'll, we'll do Roadhouse and then finish up with Stallone. That sounds good. And whether it be Cobra or First Blood Part Two. I mean, I would like to do something other than First Blood Part Two, but yeah. I feel like the fact that we're kind of we're in the Vietnam. We've uh, been doing mode. literally everything. But you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. So we'll we'll see what we do. I think let's do Roadhouse next week or next time, next episode. Um, I think that'll be a fun one. And then you know we'll finish up with Stallone, and that'll be our Red Hot Eighties action summer. Beautiful, because we got a couple more weeks to go. Um, I think we I think we can get in two, maybe three more episodes. So we'll see. We'll see. All depends on how busy Ryan is. That's right. And we've also got to get in Black Widow at some point. That time is gone. <laughs> You're like, whatever. We didn't cover one of the Marvel movies. It's all right. We're not doing Phase 4 at all anymore. No, we can. But, I mean, we missed it. I mean, same thing. We Suicide Squad. Are we really going to? Black Widow's still out. 
We could catch it in theaters. Okay, well. Yeah. Could do do a want... special bonus episode. We could. Yeah. What are we going to do for Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad is uh, not out yet, is it? I know, but it's coming. It's coming, yeah. So we'll we'll get it in at some point. We'll, we'll do it. Um, but yeah, next time, Roadhouse. We'll count on it. I don't have that one, so we'll have to, we'll have to find it. All right, so uh, thank you for listening to our episode on, uh, excuse me, our Red Hot 80s Action Summer episode. Should use the full title on uh, Strike Commando. We will be back in two weeks with Roadhouse. Uh, until then, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, any podcasting app that you use. I'm sure we're on it. So uh, subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just search for us, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. And we have an email address at Podcast at gmail.com. You can write to us. Let us know what you want to hear us cover on the show. Uh, any movies that you want. Uh, we'll definitely take that into consideration. And finally, we have a Patreon page that you can donate to at patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, you know, if you have anything that you want to donate, we certainly appreciate that. It helps keep the uh, podcast running, helps us get beer for the show. Other than that, uh, thank you for listening to this series so far. We hope you enjoy it, and we will be back next time with Roadhouse. Take care.